the Academy Award-winning director, Steven Soderbergh. Brett Favre claims not to know what a podcast is. You know I have a podcast, Brett. Did you know that? Um, no, you don't know what a podcast is. <laughs> Reggie Wayne, Edred. I had a, a, a pet snake mm-hmm. by the name of Law. I'm not a snake fan. I don't like snakes. Why is a snake in the house? I get a, a, a text on my two-way. Law dead. <laughs> Chris Cooley threatened to prank call me. Tyson, how are you? This is David Dunn. Did I see you, No, you didn't because I'm recording this thing right oh, now, no, dude. No, this You're is the, the podcast. Uh, You're the Andy best. Reed did not call Tim Tebow last night. <laughs> too much. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us. I'm Richard Eisen. I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to this special edition of the Rich Eisen podcast. I am your humble host who is humbled. We are passing 10 million downloads with this program. That started almost three years ago, week one of the 2010 season, as just a, a venture in which um, uh, I wanted to, you know, talk to you, uh, the fan, and talk to as many interesting people in the world of the National Football League and also the entertainment world, and put together a pop culture program that uh, I thought uh, many NFL fans out there would enjoy. And here we are now uh, passing 10 million downloads on iTunes and also NFL.com and the various other manners in which you have kindly downloaded this show uh, early and often. And I can't thank you enough. And uh, the way um, I, I figured to celebrate it is have one of my favorite guests that I've had in the history of this podcast returning now for a third time. Uh, He did it once on the phone. He did it once in what turned out to be the most downloaded show in the history of the podcast with him and three other members of his spectacular, iconic comedy, Curb Your Enthusiasm, and returning now to promote the fact that he's got a movie, a Curb-like movie, coming up on HBO this Saturday, August 10th at 9 Eastern Time, Larry David is on this show. Chris Law, how are you, sir? Rich, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. It's been, time flies. Time does fly. Uh, you joined the show about uh, four months into it, pretty much? Yeah, a little. Like, I think a little earlier than that, but right about there, yeah. Like right around the, the, the later throws of the 2010 season. Exactly. And then, and then Chris Brockman joined it the next year, and we've just been having a blast. And Brockman is, I believe, in the edit bay right now putting together the Hall of Fame show, correct? Yes, which airs Wednesday. That airs Wednesday that's tomorrow night, as we're taping this on Tuesday, Tuesday. morning, um, uh, August the 7th at 10 p.m. Eastern Time, correct? That on is NFL correct. Network? And Jim Kelly, Howie Long, and um, and then me strolling through the archives of the, the Hall of Fame, which was right next door to the room where we taped Jim Kelly and Howie Long. And we were waiting for them. I just said, you know... Uh, to uh, uh, Pete Fairley, our friend at the hall. Yeah, and Christy, who is working at the hall with us, yep. just saying, hey, what's in that room? And they start strolling in there and seeing one incredible artifact after another, after another, after another, including Tom Brady's draft card and a, and a telegram from a group of business folk in Memphis to Pete Rosell advocating the city for an NFL franchise. And we look down at the bottom of the page, and one of the people whose name's on the telex is Elvis Presley. And we just figured, let's just put a, a piece together. So Brockman, even though this is our 10 millionth downloaded yes. show and we are, we're celebrating it, he can't be with us today. 
Um, kids doing work. Kids doing work. And the two of us did some great work at the Hall of Fame this weekend. The jacket dinner was incredible on Friday night. Saturday was a great day. Sunday was the Enshrinees Roundtable. Yes. Uh, where all the Enshrinees, after going through all their speeches and getting the jackets and getting all their family out, uh, on game day, unless they want to stay for the game, they get together in the Civic Auditorium where the jacket dinner took place on Friday night. I did that last year. Steve Mariucci did it this year with the Canton Class of 13, and you audio recorded it, correct? Yeah, I mean, I, last year that was probably the event that stood out most to me, and a lot of people don't know about it because you hosted it. We were like, hey, let's record it. We'll throw it up. And, you know, with this class going in, you got names like Chris Carter, our guy Warren Sapp, uh, obviously all, all big names. Why not get it? It's the first time they can you know, let their hair down, soak up the moment and talk. And Mooch is our good friend, so. Mariucci, Steve Mariucci was emceeing it, so you recorded it, and yep. we're going to play it for you later, and then Mariucci's going to join us afterwards. Correct. On the phone. That's part of our, that's our 10 millionth download podcast. But let's get right to it, man, because uh, this is so very funny. And by the way, the the, the, the television, this we shot this on, on our television set, uh, stage two for those scoring at home yes. at NFL Network, uh, because we're going to air the interview as part of our kickoff special. That's Tuesday, September third, on NFL Network with uh, other guests, uh, Kevin Costner and Matt Damon. And the Matt Damon conversation audio will be posted Thursday. Yes, sir. When we also chat with Brian Billick, uh, as we are on the outset of of the uh, preseason starting in full this weekend. So it's just a, it's a big week for us here on this podcast where again I, I can't thank all of you enough for uh all the downloads and all the support all the tweets and all the friendship and my gift to you is larry david pleased to have back on the uh, rich eyes and kickoff special uh a third time actually on the podcast in general larry david good to see you sir How thank are you? you thank you rich good to have you back you've got a new film on hbo out called clear history yes is it true this is about a jet fan who's trying to do exactly that <laughs> to his team is that if, what it's about only, clear history if only that would be <laughs> that would be great don't you think yes just hit a button <clears throat> yeah and then i guess everything from 1970 <clears throat> I, 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 think, would be... I think we go back to uh ken o'brien that's where you, <laughs> that's where you'd peg that point <laughs> i think so I think that's where we start. Right yeah. to the moment where they had Marino in their sights on draft day. Right. That's where you'd clear the history. Exactly, exactly. What about Rex, though? I know, you, I know you've got... No, you're allergic to the mention merely of Rex. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what, what about Rex? Because I know when you were last on yeah. and the Jets were going to championship games, you weren't sold on Rex. So do you, do you have an I told you so type attitude when it comes to the coach right now? What do you think? My, my big problem with Rex mm-hmm. was last year. Last year? Yeah. I, you know, the first two years, I can't, I can't say anything bad about him. Okay. Because look, 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 look what he did. I mean, he took him pretty far for, right. for the Jets. Yes, he did. <laughs> and considering that Sanchez mm-hmm. was their quarterback the first, well, the first two years of the playoffs, mm-hmm. right? So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think anybody could complain about Rex the first two years. But when he made that Super Bowl pronouncement the third year, it was one thing to say the first year, oh, this is, this is okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're going to the Super Bowl. He's saying they're going to the Super Bowl. I like that. I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. And then he said it again the next year. Well, he didn't do it the first year. You don't need to say it the second year. But he still took him to the playoffs. Okay. Don't say it the third year. 
the third time was what, so, yeah. it was too much for you. Too much. Huh. Yeah. And then came the season. And then came the season. Oh, yeah. Man. Do you think Sanchez is a viable quarterback for the Jets? Are you done with Mark Sanchez as you're currently sitting here? Here's the thing, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like to criticize a nice person. Yes. <laughs> and I think he is a nice person. So that's it. So I don't want to just jump on him like everybody else has. Let's see what happens. We can all, we all watch the games, okay? <laughs> what, why do I have to go, he's, he's awful or something like that? Okay. I wouldn't want somebody saying that about me. I'm on television. You and know? you're a nice guy. I'm a nice guy. Mm-hmm. He's got feelings. So I feel sorry for these guys when everybody tears them apart. I do. Okay. I would be a terrible um, sports guy on the radio, <laughs> you know, because I, I would feel sorry for them, even though it's one thing for me to be at home with my friends yes. watching, but for me to publicly come out and say, you stink, I don't, li- I don't like that. Well, in that regard, though, I mean, this is probably the wrong time to bring it up, but if we take a look at the butt fumble from yeah. Thanksgiving and mm-hmm. you, you take a look at what happened right here, just seeing it, it seems to me that you as a comedy writer of your, of your greatness... It was an accident. He ran, that, he ran into him. You never made a mistake. You couldn't have huh? written this, Larry. I mean, you couldn't have written... That on Thanksgiving night. He started running. He didn't know the guy was there. <laughs> it's, I don't think it's the worst thing that's ever happened. That's not the no. running into somebody's butt on Thanksgiving. What could he do? He didn't see him. It was an accident. He didn't want to. It's a 350-pound rear end, you know? I mean, so... He's, he's got that helmet on. You can't see. You're, you're, you're on the sides. You have no peripheral vision. Have you ever put one of those things on? Yeah, there's no peripheral vision. No. So, but to me, because to me, like, that... Is part. It would seem to be like out of your oeuvre of you know, chat oh, and cut. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, 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 man hands yeah. and uh, close talker. The butt fumble seems mm-hmm. like it's something that would be out of your oeuvre. You would no, disagree with that. I disagree with that. I disagree with that. Uh, I, that was just an unfortunate accident. That's mm-hmm. a car, that's a car accident. <laughs> What happens when people get in car accidents? Right. Are, are they shown on television? <laughs> so if it's Los Angeles, maybe. Yeah, you right. Know. Exactly. So what do you think about uh, Geno Smith? What, do you, what play would you call for him? I know you're an offensive coordinator <laughs> at heart, Larry. What Look, would you draw? If, they, if, if I had the opportunity, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. if they gave me a chance, I could, I could turn the fortunes of, of, a, of an NFL team around. <laughs> There's no doubt in my mind. None at all. No, look, I can, I, can, I write stories, right? Yes, you do. So why, why couldn't I write a play? Why can't I write a play? Why can't I design plays? If I could write stories, okay, and I've written many of them. You have. Okay? <laughs> why, why, why would I be able to draw up a play? What's harder, okay? I, I think a lot of writers <laughs> can be offensive coordinators. I know I could do it. I know I could do it. I'm asking. <laughs> Any camera, choose it. Which, right which here, one? this one right here. I'm just. There you go. It's lit okay. up. Okay, you lit GMs up. out there, if you're dissatisfied with your offense, come to me. I know. I know I could help. Are you spread? Do you spread it out? What do you do? What's I, I your would, philosophy? I would, <laughs> What's your philosophy? Don't pin me down. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't. So you're wide open. You what? want to. You're keeping close to the vest. Is that what it would be? Well, here's 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 one thing I wouldn't do. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't do what Denver did at the end of that playoff game. I know that. Take a knee. Take a knee. I wouldn't be taking a knee. How dare he take that knee? How dare he? I'm with you. What, what was that? Aren't, um, he's your quarterback? Peyton Manning's your quarterback? And you're taking a knee? Ah! So you'd be aggressive. You're an aggressive play caller, is essentially uh, what you'd be. I'm an aggressive play caller. <laughs> and you know what else I am? What are you? I'm a fourth down guy. How so? I'm going on fourth. I read about some college coach who went on fourth mm-hmm. all the time. Did you read about that guy? I did not read about that guy. Okay. Think about this, okay? Mm-hmm. Two-minute drives. Why are they all so successful? Why do these teams always score in the last two minutes? Why? Because they use four downs. That's why. <laughs> That's why. Okay? So, what do you, so you would not have a punter? On the Larry David coordinated offense team. You know, if it's fourth and 40, I'll punch, okay? okay? Right, right. But my philosophy, mm-hmm. my philosophy is we've got four downs. Go, go with your four downs. So I like it. So it's an aggressive, very aggressive, four down, yes, uh, mm-hmm. potentially spread out offensive game plan from Larry David, LDOC. Let me tell you something. When the week begins for the, for the defensive coordinator of, of my opponent, mm-hmm. he's, going, he's, he's saying this to his players, okay? I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I got saying. nothing? He's saying, I, I cannot defend this. I don't know what he's going to do. <laughs> we don't know anything, okay? Just... And now if I'm the defensive coordinator, by the way, <laughs> my talent. You could do that, too. I could do that, too. Yes. I, could do, I, I know I could do that, too. Why? I mean, how? how... Okay, here's, here's the big mistake okay. on, on defense. Mm-hmm. They play these zones, okay? So there's these big scenes in zone. You see players go, oh, there's a guy there. And there's a guy here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go right in the middle and go like this. <laughs> and the quarterback, who can throw a ball uh, 100 miles an hour, yes. goes, oh, hey, look at that guy open. You know, with me, I'm, I'm back in the schoolyard. Okay. okay. Right. I got him. Who do you got? I got him. Stare. Man to man. Let me tell you this, yes. Eisen. Okay. <laughs> Let me tell you this. Okay, yeah. If I'm the defensive coordinator, right. you're not going to see a running back out in the slot mm-hmm. waiting when, when a quarterback can't find a receiver waiting, waiting to get the ball as a safety valve. Okay. There's not going to be any safety valves no. in a David defense. <laughs> okay? Because you know why? why? Because that guy's going to be covered. He's going to be covered. Mark, man to man? <clears throat> yes. Okay. He'll be covered. <laughs> you won't have linebackers just standing around in a zone. Okay? It's mind-boggling what these people do. So, man-to-man defense. Yes. And... I'm the only guy who could... (laughs) I'm the only guy who could defend a David offense. So, so what were you... (laughs) So, you as a defensive coordinator against a David offense, you would not be like, I've got... You wouldn't throw your hands up. No, I would just say, let's do what we did last week. Which is man-to-man. Man-to-man, cover your guy... Cover your guy and rush. Rush like crazy. <laughs> rush. 
<laughs> rush, rush like crazy. Rush. Make him nervous. Yes. That's what. <laughs> make, him, make him nervous. Make is the quarterback a very nervous. rarely yes. used chant yes. in the stands, let alone well, it should a be. theory it should that be is posited by a defensive coordinator. It should be adopted. Make him nervous. Make, yes. <laughs> make him nervous. Make him nervous. Rush like crazy. Rush like crazy. And yeah. be a champion today. That's Larry David right there. I, I'm here if they need me, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, what if, what if you were commissioner for a day? Okay, okay. You are now, Roger right. Goodell says, you know what, I'm tired. Okay. I'm tired. Mm. Yeah. I need a break. And Larry David is now the commissioner of the NFL. What would yeah. you do in that instance, LD? I'm not sure my talents are suited for commissioner. Not management? You're not no, in management? I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> But you must have, like, one thing that you'd like to do. What I, would you... I think, you know what? I think I'd make a good owner. <clears throat> okay. I think I'd make a good owner. I'd, I'd come in. I'd go to the locker room, pat people <laughs> on the shoulder. Okay. You know, you're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. Keep it up. Keep it up. You know. And that's it? That's, that's, that's your ownership stake? That's, <laughs> that's, that's it? Boys. <laughs> yeah? Boys, I just want you to know, no matter what happens today, mm -hmm. I'm behind you if you play well. If not, we'll have to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being honest with you guys. Can I right. be honest with you? I'm going to be honest with you guys. Right. You know the deal. You got to play well for me. Cover your man. Mental. 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 No mental mistakes. I'm very big on that. It seems to me that NFL cornerbacks, mm -hmm. some safeties, mostly cornerbacks, might be the dumbest people in professional <laughs> athletics. <laughs> Why do you say that? By the way, this would be a bad ownership take. Yeah. You're, you're now... <clears throat> I told you ownership was not going to be my thing. Yeah, right? <laughs> ownership. Yeah. This, you know, no. the cornerbacks in the team would yeah. be... Okay. I, I'm, I'm going to tell you why. Please tell me why. <clears throat> the amount of idiotic pass interference penalties I have seen in my life with two minutes to go in a game, mm -hmm. okay? When the guy clearly is not, get, is not open, he's not going to catch the ball, you're right on top of him, and you're, and you're, you're, you're taking his jersey off, you know? Mm -hmm. that's, that's, an what, that's an intelligence thing. Yes. That you, so how, do you, how would you, as the defensive coordinator, coach him up in I that was, regard, Larry? I would say I mean, this. <clears throat> I would say to my defensive players... Anybody commits a pass interference call with five minutes or less in the game, if we are ahead, okay, you, you never play for me. You will never play Cut for me. Cut them on the spot. Cut them on the you spot. You take their helmets. <laughs> take their helmets. And you sit them down. Yeah. You know who's, this is interesting. Yeah. You know who has the same exact stance is Deion Sanders. I, I am not kidding you. Deion, when watching games. I said something intelligent? You did say, well. <laughs> are you kidding <laughs> you said something that I, I sit and watch games with Deion Sanders all the time. And he says that this is why I cannot be a professional coach. He, he coaches youth football. Right. He can't be a professional coach because if they did stupid stuff, he would cut him on the spot. Cut him yeah. on the spot. Yeah. So you and Deion Sanders have something in common. Well, <clears throat> in specifically, mm -hmm. I could not tolerate a pass interference call. I could not tolerate a roughing the kicker call. Oh. With two minutes to go in a game. They are infuriating. Infuriating. I could not tolerate um, 
an offside call. Any penalty in those situations, you, you, crazy. Got to think. So, I lo- so <clears throat> gone, I guess, sort of conceptual with you in terms yes. of football. Yeah. Do you have a Super Bowl prediction for, for this, this season? Year? For this season. This season. I know it's early. No games have been played yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And last year, if I'd asked you this question this time, I, I, I would, I would guess that you wouldn't have said the Ravens would win it all. So I yeah. understand that this is not an easy question, but this is a kickoff special. Okay. Figured I'd get Larry David's Super Bowl prediction in New York City, by yes. the way, the Super Bowl this year. Yes, my mind is racing through the team. As, as have you noticed I'm, I'm tap dancing yeah, right tap now? Dancing. I'm, I'm giving you some time. I'm doing my best here to I give you. I see that. The wheels are turning, <clears throat> the I understand. The wheels are turning. So it's, it's the Super Bowl in New York. Yes, yes. And this way, we will cut and save this. Yes. So if you're correct... You'll look like a genius. Really? And if you're oh, way off, yeah. we'll just act like it never yes. happened. Yeah. I'm done tap dancing. Okay. Okay. You want to you want to predict? I mean, just <clears throat> just throw, give me give me a couple teams. AFC Who's your AFC team? What do you think? <laughs> should I do the same look? Should I do the should I do that 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 that, that curb thing where you're looking at me and I'm looking back at you? And, oh yeah, yeah. You know? I don't know. <laughs> I really don't have the foggiest idea. You got, you got Denver. Idea. You got Denver. You yeah. Got, you know, they, they I don't could, think it's going to be Denver. You don't think Peyton no. Manning's going to do it? Not this year, What no. Do you think the Ravens have a chance to repeat? No. Okay. <clears throat> what about the Patriots? You know, they're, they're obviously without... Yeah, no, they're missing too many pieces. Too many pieces. <clears throat> you don't like them. No. Um, what, the, the Jets have... You know, no okay, chance. I mean, zero. I just, yes. I, zero. Yeah. Zero. You give them a 0.0% zero. chance. Yes, zero. Okay. Yeah. Um, and the Ravens aren't repeating. Yeah. What about the Colts? Do you think maybe Andrew Luck can strike? No, strike I don't think it? so. Oh God, no, we're running through most of the contenders. Yeah. The Steelers are, are a little banged up. Do you like them? You think Big Ben can do it? You're going to land on that one? I'm going to tell you to keep your eye on Kansas City. Kansas City <laughs> Chiefs. Andy yes. Reid is now yes. there. Yes. They had some pieces already. Yes. Kansas City. Yes. I like that. Yeah. That's bold. Yeah. That's like your that's like your offense it's and like defense. My offense and defense. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. And in the NFC, do you like San Francisco to get back there? No. Okay. What no. about Dallas? You think Dallas might be able to? I have don't a think Dallas. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Don't okay. Think Dallas. Okay. Um, you've got Green Bay. Green Bay. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. You like Green Bay. Yeah. Green Bay against Kansas City for yes. all the marbles, yes. according to Larry David. Yes. I love that. See, now that's bold. That's out there. Yeah, but Kansas City's kind of stupid. They're not so <laughs> <laughs> you want a mulligan on that I, one? I, I want a mulligan. You want a mulligan yeah, on I that? Do. Okay, I do. so yeah. um, not Kansas City. Yeah. Um, Texas. Texas. Houston. 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 Te- the Houston Texans. Yes. You like the Houston Texans? Yes. Somebody said it out there. I'll give them credit. Okay. Yeah. So you like the Houston Texans? Houston and Green Bay. <clears throat> so says Larry David. Yes. Okay. Before we go, I want to ask you about your movie. Please. Clear History. Yes. Now, this film is a Curb-like movie, correct? Not Curb. Okay. Not it's not Curb, curb but is it, it's there's some similarities. Curbish. Curbish. A Curbish curb-ish movie. Yes. And you are playing a character. You are not yourself in this I am film. not myself. And did you enjoy that, playing a character as oh, opposed to yourself? It was, oh, it was such a stretch for me, this character. <laughs> I had to do research for months. Mm-hmm. You know, I followed a guy around who I thought, hey, that could be my character. Mm-hmm. And I followed this guy. And I went to dinner with him. And I went to his house. 
and I went to work with him. You know, and I picked up, I uh, picked up all his mannerisms. Who is this person? Do we know who this person? I, I'm not allowed to say. Okay. I'm not allowed. Would we to know say. who this person is? No. Okay. So no. just a regular person. A regular guy off the street. I go. I need to find somebody to play. Mm-hmm. You know, to know somebody. Could have been you. Could have. <laughs> Did this person take a restraining order out against you at any point in time? No, he's very flattered. <laughs> okay, well, that's good. Yeah. And so this, the, walk me through the, the plot of, of Clear History. Okay, well, actually, it's about a guy, mm-hmm. not me, mm-hmm. a guy who makes a uh, terrible business decision, mm-hmm. um, costing himself an un- untold wealth. And... Um, he has to sort of reinvent himself after that. He's publicly humiliated as a result and has to reinvent himself and moves 3,000 miles away to, from, from where he was. To Martha's to Vineyard. Martha's Vineyard, Okay. Because yeah. and, and I, I, I've seen this, as always, you've been kind to have me in to see something that you yes. have done, which is truly one of the greatest honors of my life. Which is part of our, our focus group. We, yeah. have, uh, we bring four or five people in. And ask, and ask questions afterwards. It's fantastic. And you do very well on the questions. Do yes. I? Do I? You, <laughs> you would say do, that yes. I do? You do very well. I'm yeah. pointed. Yes. Right? I'm, I mean, well. I'm, I'm. You know what, Rich? You know what, I, you know what I could say about you? Please, what can you say? You get it. Air quoted. You, I get it. You get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am I'm honored. I mean, that's like, I should, that's like a walk off, that's sort of like maybe a Costanza walk off moment yeah. for me. I should walk out of here. Yeah. But. I, but I also don't. I know that you want to reveal only what you want to reveal yes. about these sorts of things. Yeah, I don't like to talk too much about it. I know that, <clears throat> but um, the the one thing I do want to say is the cast is phenomenal. The yeah. cast that you got cast is, is fantastic. Great. Yes, you got um, John Hamm. Yep. Kate Hudson. You got who I thought was brilliantly hilarious, Michael Keaton. Yeah, great. Where he he's sort of like old school Michael Keaton, big broad comedy. Back in the 80s and yeah. early 90s, Michael Keaton in this sort of thing. Yeah, it was wonderful. He was great. Bill Hader. Yeah. Right? Um, Eva Mendez. Yeah. That was good. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Who else? Amy Ryan. Amy Ryan. She's J- great. J.B. Smoove. J.B. Smoove is in this. Mm-hmm. And he's the only... He's the only Curb, curb yeah. character who's in yeah. this thing, too. Yeah. Liev Schreiber. Yes. Is in this. Um... I'm trying to go through my mental Rolodex. Who else? Oh, uh, Danny McBride. Oh, Danny McBride, of course. Yeah, hilarious. Mm, great in this too. Does this? And the one, I, the one question that I get when I mention this movie to people and people see it, does this mean that Curb is finished? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> So that so you're saying there's a chance, right? Last time you were on, I called you the Brett Favre of entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> but I came back to do another one. Well, you after did, I was you on. did come right? back. Didn't I come back? Well, Favre came yeah, back. Favre three came times. back three times. Yeah. He came back three times. Yes, but unlike Favre, bruh, yes, Favre, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. What if his name was just spelled F-A-V? <laughs> By the way. Why wouldn't he change the spelling to F-A-V? I don't, because that's just who he is. Huh? You know what I mean? That's what I would do. I would go to F-A-V. Yeah, you know. If everybody called me Dav, right. I would go D-A-V. You would, wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah. That's, that would be right. normal. But right. he's his own man. <clears throat> um, 
But unlike Fob. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. I never, I never said I was retiring from the show. I never said the show was over. That's true. <clears throat> so. Okay. No. So I never said anything. There is a chance that Curb could come back. You, know, you never say never. I like it. The door's open. Door's always open. I love it. Yeah. Terrific. And then your door's always open for you here, Larry. It's a pleasure having you on this, this Thank show. Thank you. You, you, know, you know, if I, if I could, if one thing could happen as a result of my appearance on this show. It would be. It would be a phone call from one of those GMs. I think asking, there's no question. for my services. There's no question that somebody mm-hmm. in a seat of power in the National Football League has seen this interview and thought, no, there's no chance. You know, I mean, that, that's. I think that might have been. You know, they might have had like that minute sort of yeah. thing. By the way, the, the flea flicker. Okay. Yeah. You know, the quarterback gets the ball. Mm-hmm. He flips it to the running back. And then the quarterback goes behind the running back and gets it back again. Mm-hmm. I did that play when I was seven years old. <laughs> seven. Okay. Please. So the flea flicker. Yeah. Now, are you saying? I saw that play. I go, they stole my play. Would you, Oh, the flea. <laughs> the flea flicker. Would you, have, would you flick it again, though, is the question. Like two flicks back. Not just one. I'm, I'm Interesting. Not, I could go two flicks. <laughs> you know, the I, double yes, flick. Yes, the double flick. I'm just saying, that's next level stuff. By the like, way, yeah. there might be a place for you <laughs> in my organization. That's, I would gladly accept. There might be a place for you. I would gladly accept. Go see Clear History uh, on HBO August 10th. Go see Clear History on HBO Go. Good to see you, Larry David. Thank you, Rich. Pleasure. Pleasure. That's Larry David. Brilliant. Brilliant, Chris Law. I could I, listen to that man for, like, it, it just, his ability on the fly to just come up with something <laughs> that good. Just, he's talking about ownership, and his line would be, make him nervous. <laughs> That's his. That's his. Raw, that's his rah rah line. Is go out and make him nervous. I, I, I mean, oh, you, you laugh when we have guests on, and you know you you you, you have a, a good deal of laughter in you. But when LD's on, it's just a whole different. Yeah, right? I mean, well, I mean, he's one of my favorites. I'm I'm a huge fan, a huge fan. Clear History is hilarious too. It's this Saturday, August 10th at 9 p.m. Eastern on HBO, and we ran through the list of people on it. Michael Keaton, like I said, it's old school, like Beetlejuice, Mr. Mom, Gung Ho, Night Shift, Michael Keaton, and, in, and, in this in this film, and old Le- school. Larry David, I saw some of the. Tri- I haven't seen it yet, but I saw some of the previews. He he doesn't look like Larry David. No, and they purposely did that. They yeah. wanted to make. Well, he does uh, later on in the film, okay. but in the beginning of it, the character he plays, they just wanted in the first. First quarter of the film to make it absolutely clear this is not Curb Your Enthusiasm. So they completely altered his look. Nice. And, you know, and it works. It works. It's really funny, and everybody should check it out. And, and man, that is just so fun. I, I could not be more honored to have him on and wanting to come on and talk football. I love what he said about the, the, the Broncos and Peyton Manning taking a knee. And, um, you know, he's, and he's the he, offensive coordinator. Like he, he, he truly believes that thinks. he believes that. Yes. Can... And defensive coordinator and owner, obviously, and general manager. That's Larry David. Oh. Uh, let's now turn the page to the Hall of Fame weekend that we had such a blast at. And uh, we, we had this on our show last year. And the the uh, response from having the full audio of the roundtable, the Enshrinese roundtable that's held on the game day itself on the Hall of Fame game uh, day itself it, the response was overwhelmingly positive, so we figured let's do it again. Mariucci, our Steve Mariucci, was the MC this year. 
because uh, I, I did the jacket dinner Friday night, the Saturday stuff, and then came home. Um, so Mariucci did this in Trini's Roundtable, yeah. and it's, it's, it's always great because it's – I mentioned this before, and I'll say it again. These guys, when they are in finally elected in the Hall of Fame, they find out the day before the Super Bowl. And then the intervening months, weeks, months are all about planning. It's all about sitting for your bust, getting your jacket measurements, setting up all the tickets and hotel reservations and the parties and everything that needs to be set up and then doing your speech and making sure that everything's buttoned up there and practicing it and then wondering what the unknown is. They've been maybe sometimes to a Hall of Fame weekend before, but they don't know what it is to go through as an enshrinee. Yeah. And and then they meet every single person in Stark County, Ohio. That's the way they run it there in Canton is that is they, they are an interactive part of the weekend with the fans who are, are crucial to making it all work. And then there's the over 120 folks who are already enshrined to return for the 50th celebration. And so all of these pressures and overwhelming uh, stimulus that's coming in against them, it's over by the time they sit down in these chairs in the Civic Center in downtown Canton for this Enshrinees Roundtable for the lunch. It's over. They're through it all. They've made their speech. They've gotten their jackets. Some of their family members have already left town. So the setting is beyond relaxed. And uh, Mooch did a great job, right, Law? Yeah, no, he, he knocked it out of the park. But I do got to tell you, Rich, well, yes. before we get into the full thing, uh, when Mooch was introduced, he brought your name up. Oh, he did. And uh, let me just play this for you real quick. Show of hands, who was at this luncheon here last year? Many guys, you keep coming back, right? Many are newcomers. Well, Warren Sapp can attest to this. The MC last year was Rich Eisen, right? And Rich Eisen did the uh, jacket ceremony as well. Rich Eisen, he's from the University of Michigan, isn't he, Sap? How many times a day do we hear that? Night and day, Rich Eisen. And he stirs it up, Chris Carter, with the Ohio State Buckeyes, doesn't he? So there you go. A little Michigan jab. Little. You know, you know. what? Uh, that's uh, expected. That's what the guy does. That's what the guy does all the time. So, you know, I, I totally understand it. And it's, it's, it's to be expected, and it's appreciated. The crowd loves it, it there. Well, it's one of those of things, if he didn't do it, I'd be upset. You know, I'd be, I'd be wondering what it is, you know. I'd be wondering what exactly is wrong with him if, 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 if he wasn't doing it. So, you know, you never know. But, um, Are we here in Hudson? Yeah, you're hearing Hudson the dog in the background there right now. Go. So, listen, let's get to it right now. Here's the roundtable from Steve Mariucci. All right, guys. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to chat for a little bit. You can let your hair down some because the speeches are over. Right, Larry? You were awesome last night. How about his speech? We thought he was only going to go for a minute. He went for 20. <laughs> All right. Can I sit down, Sap? Please. All right. Thanks for joining us today. What a, what a weekend, huh, fellas? You grab your mic, your stick mic right there. And all the great events, right? The parades, the jacket, the speeches, it's all over with now. But if I were to ask you guys... And you can share, and it's just us seven guys talking, right? And 3,000 people watching. Um, what would stand out to you guys as maybe the highlight of this weekend? Jonathan, start with you. Oh, wow, the highlight. Everything's been so fantastic, you know, from the gold jacket dinner uh, to just... But you know what, if, if I had to pick one thing, I would say it was just yesterday. Just being out there with all those fans, just getting them standing up there, seeing the bus for the first time. That was one of those things, because that's one of those things you see on TV all the time when you're watching this ceremony. You see the guys pull the uh, cover off their bus, and I think that was just kind of the cool moment for me when it kind of hit me. Like, I was like, wow, I think I'm a Hall of Famer now. I'm, I'm finally enshrined. Curly? 
Thanks, sir. Everything working? All right. Well, this is a fantastic experience for me. You know, I'm a not young man, and so I'm cherishing all the moments. I think when I walked up on this stage for the first time, at uh, rumbling under my feet, I don't know if I was in an earthquake or what, but I tell you, that was quite momentable, you know. So it, uh, this is a, it's a great time for me here, and uh, I really appreciate uh, all the support uh, of fellow t- uh, former Hall of Famers here. And, uh, and then I, I don't know, it's, uh, it's, so, it's so overwhelming, and I'm just so, so pleased to be here and enjoy this activity. Thank you. Coach? Well, Steve, I think the uh, one that really hit me was when I walked that gauntlet there at the gold uh, jacket dinner, and I had to come down. And, you know, I'm old enough to know all these uh, Hall of Famers, and uh, walking down there among them, that's when it really hit me. And it, it, that was really something very, very special, and particularly in the fact that I had some of my own players in that line as well. Yeah, Chris, huh? how special was it? What will you remember most? I mean, there's so many memories. But, uh... (laughs) The one thing I'll never forget is when my mother stood up and I said, Mama, you in the Hall of Fame. (laughs) Where's your mama? Is she here? Stand up, Mama. She's in the Hall of Fame. JC, stand up. (laughs) Mama, Mama, you in the Hall of Fame. (laughs) Oh, Dave. Well, what, I'll tell you what, there's not a single thing that's happened to me since Thursday that's not memorable. I remember everything. But the highlight, I think, comes when the, you know, as everybody knows, I lost my two sons and my wife. There's only life left but one son. When he walked out there and grabbed that tape to take them, my pick by the mask off and show that bus for the first time, I'm not an overly emotional guy, but I had to fight back the tears. It was probably the most memorable moment I had to beat my whole family sitting there with me unveiling that bus and knowing that bus is going to be here forever. And they said the bus can last 4,000 years. I don't know if there's a building here in 4,000 years, <laughs> but the bus will be here. <laughs> They'll and still the be here. Dave Robinson will be here. That's it. Sap, yeah. what was the highlight? It was when Chris hit me and said, I just landed. And me and him was riding in the golf cart. We was out on the golf course. And he got down on his hands and knees and he said, boy, you better come over here and get some of this canton grass in your mouth. <laughs> we here. And, and it got me so right for the whole tell, time. T- tell them what we did. Tell the people what we actually did. Got on the ground. In Canton. In Canton. And put the, the grass ground. in our mouth. Yeah. We had some grass in our teeth. We said, we here. We here. Oh, were you the only two guys that did that, or did everybody? Coach, did you kiss the grass? No, you didn't. I didn't, didn't do kiss that. the grass. Okay. It's holy land. I needed it in my mouth. <laughs> all right. Well, let's go to those speeches last night, and you all did a great job. Didn't they do a great job? 
Larry, I'm going to start with you since you got all dressed up for this occasion, all right? right, right. We, were, we, had a, we had an over and under. Stay we calm. thought you'd go for less than a minute, okay? You were rambling on about two chickens and a cake and a 40-ouncer and all kinds. Huh? You were great. Talk about those speeches last night, guys, and preparing because that can be sort of nerve-wracking at times, right? Probably did about ten interviews my whole career, so really me getting in front of the people and talking is uh, it's kind of rough for me. But my daughter, she helped me. Mm-hmm. I got through it. It's over with. Yeah. You got through it. You did a great job. <laughs> and Bill, you know, you mentioned it's it's always interesting to see and listen to who they mention. Of course, it's it's mom and it's kids and parents and relatives and coaches. But to go back all the way to high school and, and honor those coaches and rec, you know, recognize those coaches. Mickey Corcoran, 92 years old. What, your basketball coach? And basketball coach, kind of like a second father, uh, guidance counselor, someone who gets the coaching profession, someone I could always go to and rely on to get the truth, not what I wanted to hear. So, he's, as I said, I don't know what adjective you could use to characterize our relationship for 58 years. But whatever one you pick out that you think is good, that would certainly apply to that relationship that Mickey and I have. Yeah, it's, it's amazing what, what kind of influence youth coaches can have on athletes and coaches growing up. Warren Sapp, you do television. Chris Carter, you do television. How stressful, though, was it standing up there in front of God and country and millions of people watching and put a speech together from the heart? When Curly was in front of me, and he flipped that page, and I saw it was only two left. <laughs> My stomach rolled. Yeah. I sat back in the chair. I looked over at Chris. I said, it just hit me. <laughs> like, like game day? Worse than game day. Worse than game day. You know that when you wake up in the morning, you think you're late for work, that cold sweat, like, oh, my God. <laughs> That's you had that I'm feeling there. before? It was right there, that moment. Right there. Man, I wouldn't want to do it again, no, Coach. You don't have to do it again because you're in forever, big guy. Dave was telling me we're sitting in the room here, and Dave got up there, and he won't mention this unless I do right now. His speech is going on, and he goes, page four, page six. He's missing page five of his speech. Dave, talk about that. <laughs> Yeah, that's the truth. I, uh, I've written a real nice speech, I thought, and I wanted to really honor my wife as anywhere I could. One thing I was going to say, but I really miss, I feel from the bottom of my heart the hardest job in the National Football League, besides coaching, is being the wife of an NFL ball player. They've got to really do a lot. And that was the one, yeah. on page five, that's the one sentence I wanted to find. I flipped to page five, there was no page five. I said, don't worry, Dave. It's right behind page six. It was page seven. <laughs> I know what to do. Now, I, could, I usually handle most situations, but I want to tell you something. I panicked, and I started stuttering and stabbing to try to get it out and try to get it together. I wouldn't have made it, except I looked over at Warren Sapp sweating and said, I'm okay. <laughs> Rick. That's why the Buckeyes didn't take you and you went to Penn State. Oh, jeez. 
You knew that was coming. One, two, three, four, five. Hey, the Buckeyes didn't take me because I scored too high on the SATs. Bill, you mentioned that jacket ceremony the other night. What was it like, guys? And there were over 100 guys, and it was like the Red Sea, only it was the gold jacket sea. What was it like coming through that sea of people, of Hall of Famers? Anybody say anything to you crazy? Or what was that like, Sapper? No, I was basically going through the annals of the game. I mean, the great ones, the, the monsters, the baddest that ever walked the, the gridiron. And they were like, welcome home. I mean, and then they all went to grabbing you, hugging. You know, some people you expect, you know, just get a handshake. They were like, come here. I'm like, okay then. <laughs> Give me a little love then. Come on, grab the big fella. And then when I got to the end, somebody put my son at the end of that line. And that got me because. <laughs> Your son down here. He wasn't supposed to be at the end of that line. Nah. <laughs> I was, Warren Sapp was not supposed to be Warren Sapp at the end of the line of 111 Hall of Famers. No. <laughs> Jonathan. You know what, man? When you get... Did you, you know, meet anybody that. as big as you? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not. Uh, but, you know, I'm just going to echo what everybody said, man. When you walk down that line, and those are people you watched growing up, you idolized, you respected. I mean, and they tell the history of the game. And to know that you're becoming part of that, you know, it's just overwhelming to you. And I tried to savor that moment because I knew that, it was something that was so special that I had to just try to put it in my memory banks forever. Curly? Well, I, I just made it a point to hug and shake and receive congratulations to each of the Hall of Famers that uh, it was just very, very warm and very genuine. You know, gentlemen were telling me uh, thank you and welcome and uh, so pleased that I'm now in the Hall of Fame. And so that's a very good experience. Larry? Oh, yeah, it was great, you know. Meeting all your favorite, favorite players when you're growing up. I got to meet Jackie Slater, Jim Brown. Jackie Slater. This is great. Yeah, Bill. I think you knew most great. of these guys, though, didn't you? Yeah, I do. I was trying to call them by their first name as I went down the aisle, trying to address all of them. But what was the two things that happened on that walk across and back down that when I got to the coaches that were in the line, some of whom were my fiercest rivals, competed against, and they took the time to give me a little extra that I wasn't expecting, especially from Joe Gibbs. And, <laughs> but, and then, just coincidentally, the last person in the line was my prodigal son, Lawrence Taylor, and he just jumped on me, and that was special. Yeah, great. And you, you want your bus right next to him so you can watch him, huh? Hey, man, huh? He, that takes some doing. I might Good have luck. to put two busts in there <laughs> to watch him. He, he showed up with flip-flops on, with a nice coat on and flip-flops. That's because well, he's certifiable. Yeah. He really is. <laughs> you, you've seen me do that, Mooch. <laughs> I'll tell you, it, like everybody else said, it's a, it's a real uh, uh, earth-shaking experience to walk down through that, that sea of gold jackets. But it, for me, it was a little, I felt maybe different than some guys. There are an awful lot of people in that line that I played against, awful lot of people I watched, and, and uh, there's an awful lot of people I played with. I mean, I thought I played with one of the greatest teams ever, and, uh, and I, right here I got Jim Taylor and, and, and Forrest Gray watching my back now. 
we were more than teammates. We were brothers, soul brothers. And uh, I just mm. was overjoyed to say, now, Dave, you can say you're in the hall with these great people. Yeah, you didn't get emotional, did you, Chris? Um, I was... <laughs> uh, that was the one time that I didn't cry um, through the... Through Congratulations. The last, I mean, through the last six months. <laughs> you cried some other time that day, though. Yeah, but he's talking about walking just out time, there. Just that time. I'm going to tell you what, what saved me was, as a class, there's really a special bond. But we were standing down there, Larry Allen. He kept saying, I'm not supposed to be here. I don't know why I'm here. And I looked at him and I told him, I said, I want you to watch this video. And like the police say, we got you, we got video evidence. <laughs> what? How, how do you I told, know that? I said, we got video evidence. I said, when they finish that tape of you, I want you to look back at me and tell me you don't belong in the Hall of Fame. And to see him just be able to get over that hump and get going, that was really that moment. It was you know, great for I, I, I got to follow up. Larry. I don't really understand what they're saying because only Buckeyes know what police evidence is like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. I don't. Uh, here we go. I've lost control. I thought this was a Michigan, Ohio thing. I love it. Get him, Dave. I know, Dave. Maybe he ain't read the paper the last year. What's going on at Penn State? Oh, Hey, listen, Chris. No, no, no. Don't touch it. Don't touch happened. it. Sap, don't say anything. You're a hurricane. Yeah, all that happened. <laughs> hey. I'm, listen. The only thing, hey, hey, Milch. See, all that happened, all that happened after I left Penn State. That police stuff happened while he was at Ohio State. <laughs> Big difference. <laughs> And, and, and he knows firsthand. <laughs> I got I to gotta follow up on what you just said, because I don't believe it. Why in God's earth do you feel that you don't belong in the Hall of Fame, Larry Allen? Uh, I just played the game for my family. I just wanted to give them a better life. I wasn't expecting to be, nom no, be in the Hall of Fame, I guess. So. Does that guy belong in the Hall of Fame? <laughs> Can I, can, I, can I say something as the only guy that might have stand in front of him in his group? Uh, give yourself two bus, big boy, because I didn't sleep good at nights the week I had to come see you. I wasn't going to leave. I wasn't going to check out of work and not come see you. But I had some long nights not sleeping well before I faced you. Because it was a chance that I could be dominated that day. And I didn't want it to happen. I didn't want it on tape. <laughs> oh. All right, how Thanks, about this one, guys? <clears throat> John Madden once said, when the lights go out 
And your bus now will go in there today, won't it? Forever, for 4,000 years, they'll be there. But when the lights go out and everybody goes home, the bus talk to each other. <laughs> Who will your bus talk to tonight, coach? Probably Bill Walsh. I ask him what the hell he's going to run on the first plane next day. <laughs> yeah, I'd talk to him, talk to some of my boys that are in there with me. That'd be great. And uh, as I said, some of my fierce rivals are there. So that's, it, it's really great. It really is. Curly. Well, it'd probably be uh, Hank Stram. Probably say, hey, boys, let's go. But, uh, Bobby Bell and... Uh, Buck Buchanan and Jan Stenerud and, and others probably uh, get together there and chit-chat. Uh, man, I, I don't know who my bus would talk to first. I mean, my bus would be running around with a football and a helmet trying to get autographs. That's what my bus going to be doing. <laughs> I don't think they have any arms or anything. <laughs> Dave. You played with quite a few guys. Some are here and some are no longer with us. Who are you going to talk to tonight? I'll tell you, I don't want to try and get too serious, but the last time I saw Coach Navarro, was on his deathbed and it was horrible. I just couldn't wait to, I'd like to talk to him, <clears throat> grab him, hug him, and tell him how much I love him and what he did for me. That's all. I know you're going to talk to somebody tonight, Chris. Well, I'm a wide receiver we have a tendency to have a little conversation. My first conversation will be with the selection committee. Come on, man. <laughs> They're not in there. They're not invited in that room. I, man, I'm just so thrilled that I'm in the group. I'm so thrilled that I'm a part of something that's bigger than me. I really want to listen. Be the first time in my life I don't need to say nothing. <laughs> this place is the greatest way to end anybody's career, isn't it? But I want to talk to the seniors right now to bring us down memory lane of the 60s. Because the league has changed a lot of different ways, right, Curly? Right, Dave? It's changed a lot of different ways. Can you take us back to Green Bay, Wisconsin, Dave, where very few African Americans played in the Zero. NFL? Zero. Zero. That's very few, isn't it? And lived in Green Bay. Talk about that time, and then we'll get to you, Curly, okay? Well, I'll tell you, there was a turbulent time in the 60s, and the, what happened on the outside of the NFL happened inside the NFL. So there were problems. First time I went in the Green Bay, I saw a big sign that said, Welcome to Title Town, 60,000 people. They got a statement that holds 55. I couldn't figure what's going on. Then I realized it's one of the greatest cities of the world. Then I found out there's only one African American lady in town. I never saw her, but she was supposed to be there somewhere. And it was a. <laughs> and it was a I tell you, yeah, I told Warren, I, told, I think she is passing. But anyway. Oh, jeez. <laughs> And my wife came up there in that kind of an atmosphere, and she took out and she, uh, she reared her children there and took care of them and everything else. It was a, it's a great thing. Green Bay's entirely different. But I'll tell you, the 60s, I like to get to talk about football. We played football. 
We didn't play no Mammy Pammy game, no nothing else. We played football. Like I said, it was a Spartan sport played by Spartan-like people. I'll tell you, and I, I'm getting off, I'm probably getting off the, on a tangent. The reason people can get $20, 000, $20 million contracts today is because we made the National Football League successful. Absolutely. We brought them. We, uh, yeah. We brought, we played, we played the game that people wanted to see. We brought them into the turnstiles. We made TV watch, we had sponsors pay, and now they are reaping the benefits. I hope they understand that. I hope they do too. Curly, you played in the AFL before the merger, before the league formed like we know it today. You were in that AFL with the Chiefs. Talk about it. Yeah, I was blessed to be in one of the last games played in the NFL, the AFL, excuse me, and uh, it was a... very wonderful uh, the experience. Uh, I, I don't have similar experience today. If you know, coming from a small town of Yuma, Arizona, going to Arizona State University, and uh, I did experience some of the similar circumstances, but uh, it's a little different. Uh, and uh, oftentimes uh, there was uh, situations where the race issue came to play, and uh, I think it's safe to say uh, things that happen in society, uh, microcosm is going to be right there in professional football. And I think we, as, as athletes, we understand that and we deal with that. AFL, remember that. Coach Parcells, you turned four organizations around. And you have been quoted as saying you love to shop for your own groceries. Talk about what kind of guys you wanted on your teams. Smart, tough, dedicated. We used to bring people in to interview them prior to the draft, and I always asked one very important question I believe to be important uh, during that interview process. And I try to ask the player or the prospective player, what are the three most important things in your life? And I really didn't care in what order they answered that question. But if football wasn't in there somewhere, I was getting a little suspicious of that player. And I'm looking for players that like the game that I loved and coached and grew to to, to gain a great understanding of. And so that's smart, tough, same guy every day, in condition, willing to commit to playing hard and you know, I used to tell them, I tell my teams frequently this, this statement hundreds of times, you're never going to remember how much money you made playing this game. You might have some idea. You're going to remember what you did and what you achieved. So this game has always been about one thing, achievement. And I was looking for guys that wanted to do that. These guys play for you? Are these the kind of guys you want on your team? Well, actually, actually, Uh-oh. if the truth yes. be known, yes. the four younger ones up here, Jonathan, Warren, Chris, and Larry, I've engaged in contract talks with them. With all of them. We may be starting a new franchise, and they're still young enough, you know, to be key veteran leaders on this new franchise we may be starting. He's in the hall. Now he can go back. Now, now, wait a minute. The first thing that we have to get squared away with at least three of them is what are the weight clause provisions 
within the contract. Now, I'm not talking to anyone specifically, but a bit dog is going to bark over the there wait in a minute. Clause. This guy used to play tight end. Larry, you like to play for that guy right there? Oh, yeah, he's a great coach. Great coach. All right, here's one that's going to hit home for some of you. I know choosing a presenter is always an interesting process, but some of you men chose your sons or your daughter. Tell me what your kids learned about you this weekend that they didn't know before. Warren Sapp. You're going first because Mercedes did a great job introducing you. That's my captain. Where's Mercedes? When I was there and she was born, I was the first one to hold her, feed her, change her, bathe her. And I didn't know I was having Warren the second, so I raised her like a little boy. And this weekend, I know she knows I'm in touch with my feminine side because I've cried more. <laughs> in the last six months that I've dated my whole life, and I'm not afraid or ashamed to do it in front of her or anybody else, because this is wonderful. This is truly the greatest week of my life in the 40 years that I've lived on this earth. And to share it with her and the family and just let it all go. And I think I've done that. Because she was, she was a youngster when you were playing. Oh, my God. She used to, she used to sit up on the box mooching. <laughs> she wouldn't move. They'd slide a little water underneath her, and she'd drink, and she'd be there watching. And we was on the, we lose to Pittsburgh one night, right? And, and John Gruden tempted the football gods. You know you don't take points off the scoreboard. She looked at it. It came 3-0. I ran back to him. I said, what are you doing? He was like, what? I was like, you took points off the scoreboard. You don't tempt the gods. He's like, F the gods. And as soon as he said it, Sean King threw an interception. I said, yeah, I got to go to work right now, buddy. So I get in the car. We lose the game to Pittsburgh. It's the last game we lost before we won the Super Bowl. Three days after my birthday, I'm getting beat, and he didn't take points off the school board, so I'm fuming driving home. She's in the back seat. She said, Daddy, why did the school board go from three back to zero? The school board only <laughs> – she's – She's five at the time. And I turned to my ex, my wife at the time, and I said, what? She's like, that's your daughter. So now, <laughs> I got to come out of this. I mean, I'm just flaming, coach. I want to go to Gruden's house and kill him. I mean, <laughs> you don't tempt the football guys and take points off the scoreboard, especially with that offense we had. Did you win the game? No. Oh. I lost 17-10. That three could have been it. I mean, yeah. And I had to take myself out of that angry guy and become daddy again for my little girl. And that's why, because she's always taking that big bear and turning him into a teddy. Chris, what did your son learn about you that maybe he didn't know before this weekend? Um... These, uh, these kids presenters are very, very tough. Um, 
My son's a football player. And he so much wants to be like that. But when Buddy Ryan cut me, my wife was pregnant. And I told her that I would quit using cocaine and that I would stop drinking for him so that he would have a chance. That's my dude, and I'm going to be with him. No matter what people say, no matter how many mistakes he ever makes, that he will know, not like me, what a real dad is. Devin. Thank you. Um, you know, my, um, my youngest son, Chad, introduced me yesterday, and it, uh, it was quite, uh, quite moving for me. Chad was born after I finished playing professional football, and the choice to be a presenter for me was very difficult. However, I thought it was uh, extremely important for him to enjoy this experience, and I'm so, so pleased and so happy, and I, I love him so much. And uh, he did a great job. I do appreciate it. Thank you. Dave, what'd your son learn? <laughs> well, I really think you'd have to ask him when he found out about his father's different, but I, I, did, I just was a great thrill and a joy for me. I first wanted to have my high school coach, the only coach I have living, to be my, my, my presenter. I thought about that all, the whole week before the Super Bowl, just in case I got elected. And the day of the Super Bowl, he told me that he would like to represent his mother and his two brothers. And I broke down in tears, almost like Chris Carter. <laughs> almost. <laughs> and anyway, and I, th I think maybe he didn't learn it this week, but learned then that I really had a sentimental spot in my heart. And, but I want to address one thing the coach said about money not being important. He obviously didn't have a wife and family looking at him every day. I mean, <laughs> I love the game, but I tell you what, when you sit at a table with four people and you're the only one that's got the job, you want money. <laughs> Listen, they, they didn't pay us to play. They paid us to practice. Monday through Saturday, you paid me to sit in there and watch that film. But on Sunday, it was showtime. That was free. <laughs> Okay, guys, we're running a little short of time here, but I'm going to give you one more. If you had a vote, 
and you don't, nor do I, to vote somebody into this hall next year or the year after. Who would you stand on the table for right now? Chris, I know you've got an opinion. I'll stand on the table for Tim Brown and Andre Reed. Everybody in the National Football League gets credit. They're throwing the ball more than ever. The quarterback is about him. But every time I see the ball going in the air, I see guys making unbelievable catches. So we'll come to a time and day where those people will sit in the room and they will look at the work of the wide receivers and realize we're doing work just like the other 10 guys on that football team. All right, Tim Brown and Andre Reid. Their time will come, Dave. Well, there's a, a, on the teams that we won the championship with, we have 11 guys in the Hall of Fame. And if I had my choice, I'd take the other 11. But uh, probably at the, the top of that list would probably be uh, Jerry Kramer. And he's been a great guy. And, and I, I'd love to see him in the Hall of Fame. I, I can't wait to walk across the stage and grab him, give him a hug and say, you're in. Jerry Kramer, that would be a complete dozen for you guys then on that team, huh? That's still 10 too few. <laughs> Coach. <laughs> That's an easy one for me, Steve. Um, coincidentally, this man happens to be an Ohio native. He was the owner of the San Francisco 49ers. And what he did out there with that team and those players was unprecedented in the history of this league. And Eddie DeBartolo, I'm hopeful, will join us here someday. Thank you. I second the motion. Larry. Um, I would say Hudson Hawk is my offensive line coach. Um, <laughs> he coached four Hall of Famers. Um, players that he coached have been in over 100 Pro Bowls. Um, Mark Stepnalkin. Stepnowski's here today. Uh, he's just a great coach. Do you wish you guys had something to say about it? Do you wish the panel would listen to you guys? And I don't think so. I think, they have, happen, I think they have the right people. I, I really do. It's an unbelievably tough process. Yes, it is. And, and they're not, there ain't no bums in the hall. I mean, they're putting in great players every year. The selection committee they have, I believe, is the right selection of people. Yes, well said. Curly, who should go in? Well, you know, I had an opportunity to play at Kansas City, and we have a lot of those uh, individuals who played with me on that Super Bowl team in Super Bowl Four here. But uh, one individual that I played with in Houston, New Orleans, a guy by the name of Robert Brazil, I think I would support him to be a Hall of Famer. Okay, thank you. Jonathan. Well, the player, if I had to go to bat for one player, it would probably be, probably be Charles Haley, who I watched growing up, who I think has done a tremendous job. I mean, I think he has more Super Bowl rings. Than, but the person who I would go to bat for, and I know y'all will not think it's popular in this room, but it's Art Modell. And I tell you what. Art Modell. What, what the man has meant to this league has been unbelievable. And he was, like I said in my speech, probably one of the nicest people that I have ever met. He always asked about me as a person, how's my family doing, and, and I love the man for that, so I'd go to bat for him. Thank you. Warren? Excuse me, Chris and Coach, and I know you have yours, 
All of us have our championship rings on, right? This game is about championships, achievements. Charles Haley is the only man that has five, five. of these Super Bowl rings and an absolute nightmare on third down, and that is the money down. So if you one of the nightmares on third down, ooh, I got to check you off, Charles Haley. I was with Charles Haley in San Francisco for a little bit. All right, that concludes our program. Give these guys a hand, everybody. I want to personally congratulate every one of you guys for being enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And I'm sure everybody feels the same way. Congratulations. Thank you for the memories. Thank you for what you do for the Pro Football Hall of Fame and football in general. Everybody on your feet. Larry Allen. Chris Carter. Curly Cope. Jonathan Ogden. Bill Parcells. Dave Robinson. And Warren Sapp. Your 2013 Hall of Fame class. And now here is the MC of the event, the um, one, the only, Steve Mariucci. How are you, Steve? Rich, I'm doing good. I uh, what a weekend that was, huh? That was incredible. Yeah, it was. It's uh, you know, it's my second favorite weekend next to the Super Bowl to get it started with. With all the things that go on, my God, it's Canton sure does a great job. And um, you know, I was saying it before, uh, and I've said it to you as well that the round table may be the best of them all because just best of them all in order in order to get the enshrinees uh in their most relaxed environment because they're yeah. through it all they're they all of the unknowns that they've been um uh excited about for months and also dreading whether you know in right. the case of Larry Allen who doesn't do very much public speaking in his life if that might have been the first ever speech he's ever given in his yep. life and and they're through it all with the families and tickets and hotel rooms and all they have to do is just sit there. It's their first day of just relaxing, and then you just get them sitting together. It's so neat that it round is. table. It, 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 it was it was so much fun to do because you know I knew some of them personally, and of course Chris Carter is so emotional, and he's the hometown kid there, you know. And and then of course to have Warren Sapp sitting right next to me, and you know what, what kind of personality he is, and he can be a big teddy bear. And then uh, Coach Parcells, I've known. But Larry Allen, the quiet guy with the great speech this time, he was quiet at the round table, you know. And uh, But the, the other guy that gave me a thrill was Dave Robinson. Rich, I, when I was a kid, when I was 9, 10, 12, 13 years old, I'd go down to the Packers with my folks and watch them practice. We could never afford a ticket to the game, so we watched practice like everybody else in the in training camp. And I got autographs from all those guys when I was a kid, and they were my heroes. And there, and he, there's one of my heroes that I, that I uh, admired growing up. And Jimmy Taylor and Forrest Gregg are in the crowd, and I was like, it was just, uh, it was, it was awesome. It was another time though when Dave Robinson goes in to to wonder why Jerry Kramer's not. And out of the last two decades, anybody who comes out of that senior committee is essentially, for the lack of a better phrase, rubber stamped by the selectors. And Jerry Kramer is one of the few guys to come out of the senior committee that was then denied by the selectors subsequently. And you have to wonder why in the world he's not in. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. if You know, sometimes, Rich, you know how we had – it seems like there's sometimes maybe quotas. 
you know the receiver logjam of recently. You know we had Jerry Rice and then Chris Carter and Tim Brown and Andre Reid. You know a couple of them are still waiting, and and so maybe maybe the committee feels hey there's so many Packers already in there that another Packer does that make sense? You know because that there's a dozen from Lombardi era now. And uh, add another one. I'd love to see it. I think Jerry Kramer deserves it. Bart Starr once told me this past year that Bob Skaronsky deserves it too. The other, another lineman on that team. And I went, whoa. It's just, I, I just wonder if the committee thinks, hey, there's enough Packers. Let's spread it around a little bit. Yeah, I know. But then Dave Robinson goes in. So you have to wonder yeah. what's going on there. And hopefully Jerry gets his due in the, in the coming days because a perfect example is last year, Jack Butler who went in last year after an interminably long wait. And you even pointed out to me over the weekend that yeah. last year's roundtable that I did, the game day in Shriners roundtable, Jack Butler, I, when we were talking about all the Shriners, if they're going to keep coming back, he said, essentially said, ah, this is probably going to be the only time I'm here. I'm not going to come back next year. And sure enough, yeah. he passed away. He said that right to you. He looked you in the eye. He goes, oh, I'm not, I won't be back next year. And you kind of laughed. And, and, and I, and he he looked he had that look in his face like he he must have known something, and yeah, sure enough, he passed away, and thank God he got in, you know, in in time, and and so, that's what's so neat about the seniors, you know, and Curly Culp as well. These these guys that have been waiting so long, and and were pioneers in the sport. Uh, thank God they got in when they did, and and so, but what a what a great festivity. I just I just I I keep thinking about the whole thing, that roundtable. Did you see when Dave Robinson, he's got a personality, he started yeah. giving uh, Chris Carter some grief. You know, they're big, they're big 10 guys, right? Yep. And Dave goes, you know why I didn't go to Ohio State? Because my grades were too good. <laughs> that stirred it up. That stirred it up. And then, and then Chris Carter had to get him back, and he mentioned, oh, Penn State's not had any problems lately, have they? And I went, oh, my oh, God, Lord. here we go. Yeah. And then SAP started in, and I turned to SAP, and I said, oh, you got nothing to say. You're for Miami Hurricanes. And he started laughing so hard, he went right off the stage. He went right down the steps. And I, th- I said, oh, my God, I've lost control of these guys. That brought the and, house down. That was great. Oh, my God. And, and I, I didn't know where, they, where it would end. And so it went from that kind of exchange to Chris Carter crying where he couldn't even speak. You could hear a pin drop in that room. And, and we were just waiting for him to snap out of it. And, and I didn't, Rich, I didn't know what to do. Do I go? Yeah, go you're in my shoes there as hosting, huh? Silence. Yeah, you sometimes you got to that that's the toughest part of hosting Steve is knowing when to shut up because yeah. sometimes you really have to shut up to let what you're seeing play out keep going yeah. and if you talk you might cut off something that's going to be even more fascinating that's going to come out of somebody's mouth but there are sometimes where the silence is so awkward you need to fill that void <laughs> and and making that decision in real time and snap judgment that's that's yeah. where you earn your keep, man, well, as an MC. That's where we earn that lunch. That's and, uh, <laughs> it, that's right. Chicken cordon bleu and rice pilaf. It was awesome. And then so, <laughs> and and uh, then Chris Carter said something that just blew me away. He said he was talking to Larry Allen, and Larry said he told Chris that he didn't belong in the Hall of Fame. Right. Well, I I had a I had an act on that one. I walked right over, and Larry's right in front of him, and I said. Something to the effect of, why in God's earth would you ever think that you don't belong? And he, you know, he's short of words. That speech was unbelievable for him, but he was short of words at the round table, and he goes, I just wanted to play football. 
and and uh, he, he was very humble. Uh, I was impressed with his humility. But for him to think, for any of these guys to ever think that they don't belong, that's a shocker to me. Well, you know, with Larry Allen, Steve, I mean, he had to have those words pulled out of him in front of that microphone for his speech, you know, because he he just he never puts two words together. I mean, we were joking before the speech that that the over under would be seven words. And you remember Jerry yeah. Jones came on before in our pre-game show, our yeah. pre-speech show, and said he's going to Larry's going to surprise some he's people. Surprise us! I wonder if he, you know, if he kind of went over some things, or if Jerry helped him a little bit. You know, uh, well, some I, of these guys get some help. I thought that speech was awesome because of the fact that he never speaks, and he never really. Um, tells stories to people, even those who know him. He said on and the he, ground table, Rich, he's, he's done maybe 10 interviews his whole life. Right. His whole life. And he told stories and was funny and talking about how his wife, you know, made him two chickens and French fries and baked a cake and, for him and gave him a 40-ounce. And that's what he... 40-ounce, and he... And, and, that makes him, you know, just a regular guy, and, 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 and it's funny stuff, and it's those are the things that you you really kind of crave when you're trying to listen to these guys, learn a little bit that you don't have in the bio, you know? Right. Oh, boy. And Warren Sapp, he had the shortest speech of anybody, 11 minutes. Of all people to have the shortest speech. He was excellent. He was very good. He was very to the point. But these other guys rambled a little longer. I think Coach Parcells was 20 minutes. And, uh, heck, they're all good, though. Yeah, I know. So, what? Who? Who did you think? Uh, well, with Chris Carter. Let's put. Let's just hit that right now. Oh my God! I mean, he, the emotional guy. We knew he was going to wear it on his sleeve yeah. all weekend long, and then he certainly did in in the round table when he started. I think he went in more in depth, certainly than he did in any forum all weekend long about being cut by the Eagles than he did yeah. with you on that round table, Steve. And then you know to to find out that. He, he felt that's probably the best thing that's ever happened to him. You know how, how sometimes you got to hit the bottom before you can recover and bounce up. And and uh, you know he had to promise he wasn't going to do cocaine anymore or drink anymore. And I mean, here's a star that you know kind of kind of shortened his career over that at Ohio State because he signed with an agent that didn't end well because he apologized to the Buckeye Nation. Um, and then here's his first opportunity in the pros falling apart too. I mean, this guy could have really gone in the tank, and, and instead he had another berth over there at Minnesota and really has become one of the spokespersons for how to do things in the National Football League and be a man and be a pro. And he speaks to the rookies at the symposium, and you can imagine how emotional he would get talking to these kids so they can they can avoid the traps that he fell into. And, uh, you know, you just... I love emotional guys, you know. I just, I just, I'm fascinated with the the highs and the lows. Canton is one of the few places in this earth where it's cool for a grown man to cry. (laughs) (laughs) And they sure do. And, you know, Sap broke up at the very end. As I said on the air, it's only fitting that he held it together for 99% of his speech. And then the one last 1% when he, when he was mentioning his, his ex-wife, he broke up. Chris Carter was crying throughout. Can I tell you a quick story about his ex-wife? Sure. So I'm coaching the Pro Bowl my first year at the Niners, 97 season. So I'm coaching the Pro Bowl. Sap's on my team in the NFC. He comes up to me first time I ever met him. He goes, Coach, uh, I, can I get a day off of practice? And I went, what? He says, yeah, I'm going to get married. I think I'm going to get married on the beach. I said, 
fine, can I come? And so anyway, I, I, I gave him the day off, and he married her out there at the Pro Bowl. And uh, that was Mercedes, who uh, his first child uh, that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, presented him was there, 14-year-old kid. And uh, so it, it started all the way back then, and of course, they're divorced now. But boy, did he get emotional he when did. he thanked her and told her that he loved that he loved her. I, it was, it was, uh, boy, it really brought it home. And that's what always hits me every single year is the women in the lives of these now freshly immortal men who have played this sport. This it's every year the women in their lives come to the fore. I wish we would have a. You know, I, obviously, when we talk wins, losses, and who's on the hot seat, and which teammates are doing what stupid things off the field is what takes up all the oxygen in the room. I wish there was a way for us to spotlight that in real time. Yeah. Mothers, wives, daughters, and what they mean, and they always get their due. And more often than not, that's what trips up these guys when they're making their speeches. Is you know, talking you're about the exactly women in the right, because we have a sport that's all these alpha males with a lot of testosterone in the locker room and and all of a sudden you know it's talk it, it's about teammates and coaches and the opponent but but when it's all said and done the wind beneath their wings is is uh the, like you said the women in their life whether it's their mom their grandmother who helped raise them or their daughter their wife certainly and uh that and that's the truth and it, it it is unfortunate that doesn't come out as often as it should um, but but that's the truth of it all. Well, it, then it's a perfect segue for me to talk about all the other stuff that I was mentioning in that setup before I let you go, Steve. About um, Rich, can I ask Coach one question about sure, speeches yeah. from a from a coach's perspective? It, it kind of made some headlines that Carter didn't mention any of his coaches, like Denny or Brian, and Warren left out Rod Marinelli and Monty Kiffin. As a coach, do you expect? That or do you understand that you know relationships and you can only mention so many names in yeah. a fifteen-minute time period? Yeah, I guess human nature would say, "Hey, it'd be kind of cool to have your name mentioned as a coach that he appreciated," you know. But but you also understand it's not about you; it's about him, and he's pressed for time, and there's so many, and and he knows he knows what kind of relationship you have and have had, and and so I think as a coach, that's not what you you. you you know, intend to hear, but it's nice to hear it, obviously. But uh, Brian knows, and Denny Green knows, and it's, some of these coaches know that their relationship's very solid and, and uh, contributed greatly to the success of some of these guys. So, you know, you just listen and enjoy it. And, uh, you know, there's so many people in these guys' lives. If they had to mention everybody, my God, they'd be there for over an hour, you know. So you just enjoy it and, and take it for what it's worth. In the few minutes I have left with you, Steve, uh, let's talk about the here and now. Brian Balaga out for the season. How, how big a blow okay. is that for the Packers? Yeah, it's not good. And, and uh, Brian's a good kid. I got to know him a little bit. And, and uh, you know, is, is Brian a great player? You know, he, he's, he's not the elite. He's not Jonathan Ogden or anything, but he's the best lineman they have. And and uh, when you have a great quarterback that needs protection to do his thing, um, you know they have an offensive line issue where they're going to have to juggle people around again. And I'm sure they'll figure it out um, with scheme and with getting rid of the ball a little bit. But that hurts. And I and I just there's other injuries in the league, and it's some of these are, are pretty darn devastating so early, you know. 
but that's the risk we all take and and we've cut practices down and we monitor every little thing that they do now from a physical standpoint yet we're still getting some of these devastating injuries so let's keep our fingers crossed so some of these teams can stay healthy for the uh for the season but yeah, Brian Log is a great kid and he's a heck of a player He'll be back. He's just going to have to take a, a sabbatical here. Yeah. Well, Jordy Nelson has also got a knee procedure. They're hoping to get him back week one. Ed Dixon, who is now going to be the starter for the defending champion Baltimore Ravens at tight end because Dennis Pitta blew out his hip. Uh, he has a slight hamstring tear. Yep. They they hope he's back by week one. Yep. I mean, the list goes on and on here, and I know you're on that safety committee with John Madden. Um, where do you stand on this? A lot of people think that these injuries are cropping up because the players are not going through as strenuous an on-field workout in mini camps and OTAs because of the new CBA. Would you would you put any credence in that, Steve? No, not not really. I I think I, what I hear from these old timers because we had a chance to talk to some of these Hall of Famers. Some of them were saying, "Just I'm wondering if if." Uh, you know, you, you, your body needs to get in shape to be hit. You know, it, it needs to get used to being hit so it can kind of take those hits. And I don't know if there's any truth to that or not. You know, Evil Knievel didn't practice by crashing into a wall. Um, you know, <laughs> That's a great you know, analogy. You, you, you try to get your body as strong and as flexible, as, in, 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 in as good a shape as you possibly can. The training, off-season training, went from 16 weeks to 14 weeks to 12 weeks. But you know what? That's a lot of time to get in shape. Boxers don't even need that kind of time to get in shape for a title fight. And so, you know, they need rest. They need, they need the training. I think it's purely coincidental. I think limiting the number of practice, padded practices, certainly, certainly will, will uh, reduce the number of injuries and concussions because it's, it's been a trend that's been increasing, and, and we're trying to slow that down. And we have slowed it down to some degree, but it's a it's a contact and a collision sport. You're still going to get some of those injuries. So every time you get on that field, there's a risk involved. There's a, and we're on the cusp of announcements being made and who's starting first preseason games. Jets. A lot of people are on the uh, on the edge there in Philadelphia. Um, how much yeah. should we read into well, these coaching decisions we're about to get in the next 24 hours? You know. I think I think the Jets and Rex they they know what they have in Mark, and and they've seen him play now for a while. They do have to play Geno Smith quite a bit. All this equal opportunity stuff, you know, I I don't know because they know you know they they've seen Mark Sanchez. He has a resume and a body of work to evaluate. They got to find out what Geno Smith can do. So I, I I would anticipate anticipate him playing quite a bit. In the preseason, they need to make a good decision on him. They can't, they can't just uh, make a change in week three because Mark's not doing very well, and expect an un- underpracticed Geno Smith to to do anything worth worth writing home about. So um, that's going to be an interesting competition. Uh, you know, the, the the Eagles have an interesting competition over there with Foles and Vic, and they're short receivers. <laughs> and uh, it, boy, it's good stuff. Uh, that's that's what's interesting with the preseason. Who wins these jobs? Because it's uh, it's an audition here for a month. It's very important. Last question for you: How does it feel to be on a on a podcast that's passing ten million downloads as as we are right now, Steve Marriott? How does how does it feel you, I, for you? I Steve? didn't even know you had a podcast, Rich. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
Yeah, I got you. You know, and then when I was doing the little MC thing, I got I threw a dart at you because yeah. last year, mm-hmm. last year you got me because you said, "Yeah, we have a senior member of our uh, NFL network." Because Steve yes. Mariucci didn't even know what that little envelope was. Deion Sanders had to tell him that. That's means true. You have a That's check. true. That's true. Like, by the way, oh, he got me. That's it. That's it. Um, Payback's going to be a good one, and and so I had to bring up your Michigan thing. Uh, that's okay. They they love it there in Ohio. Friday night, you even did the old Michigan thing on Friday night. I had at to the, at the gold jacket ceremony. Hey, listen, you got to talk about the elephant in the room, or the pink elephant in the room, as A Rod would call it, which is yeah. really a well, nice odd. I, was, uh, I let everybody know menu. though. I went to the Northern Michigan University. Yes, <laughs> that's good. That's always a good line. But, hey, listen, Steve, you're a good pal. You're a good friend. You've been on this podcast many, many different times. We even tried to – one of our favorite uh, moments was when we uh, we had Frank Caliendo to yes. calling in. As, uh, you yeah, called into got, the podcast because I told you, you John Madden was on. Over my eyes. Nice try, Rich. <laughs> yeah, Frank didn't good, work. But you know what? It's not, how he, it's not how he said it when he was doing, impersonating John Madden. Mm-hmm. It was not how he said it because he sounds like John. But it's what he said. That's, yeah. what, that's what screwed him up. I wish I, had, I wish I had just known you know, what Madden would say to you so I could have fed it to him because I think we would have had you for at least a minute or two as opposed to the five seconds we didn't have you. Yeah, you know? It didn't help that you were with Coach the week before the big that's bocce true. tournament. It's, 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 and, yeah, so you're talking about bocce, and, and Frank doesn't know nothing no about idea. bocce. It's a, it's, <laughs> I'm going, oh, God. Mooch, great job on the roundtable. I look Thank forward you. to seeing you uh, back in the shop uh, when uh, when everything starts up later this month. I will see you soon in a couple of weeks and do some preseason stuff. So, anyway, uh, thanks for having me on the Great Rich Eisen podcast. Thank you. Thanks, and Mooch. we will see you guys. We'll see you soon. That's Steve Mariucci on the 10 Millionth Download Show. Honored to have Mooch on here. That's really good of him to do that. And, and good job, Chris Law. And, and I can't thank you enough. Um, you know, not to get too sappy, but this is a special show. I mean, 10 million downloads is nothing to sneeze at. That's that's eight figures, man. And um, it wouldn't be nearly as fun or as good without you. So thank you. Thank you. No, I appreciate that. Even my guest who shenanigans aside. <laughs> hey, it's, it's better. It's But it's better when it when it sucks it's true. as it did. It, you know, it is th- true. That's the beauty of guest who. If it works, it's good. If it doesn't work, it, it's even better. You know, <laughs> it kind of is, especially when it's a goofball like Chris Cooley oh. who's helping implode it because yeah, it didn't explode it, imploded it. It fell under its own weight. And not to get too sappy on our too. end, but I know you know Brockman and I obviously we enjoy, we love working on this. We appreciate all the listeners. I mean, people people tweeting at us, asking us questions. It's great. And then I mean, look at what we've gotten to do. I was just at the Hall of Fame. We're at Warren Sapp's after party. I'm on the league on FX next year. Brockman's been on the league on FX. You know, we've gotten a lot of fun, great experiences, met a lot of friends through this. So definitely thank you to you, Rich, for that. Well, thank you. And uh, thank Chris Brockman as well, who is toiling away on the Hall of Fame special that airs on NFL Network Wednesday night at uh, 10 Eastern time. Jim Kelly and Howie Long, the full audio of that is already posted with Chris Collinsworth. That was our previous podcast. Stay tuned this week for our next podcast with Matt Damon, whose movie Elysium is coming out. Brian Billick, the uh, Super Bowl winning head coach of the Baltimore Ravens, will also give us his thoughts as the preseason begins in full swing in the National Football League and, of course, on NFL Network, which airs all 65 games in one form or fashion over the next few weeks. So uh, thank you again, Chris Long. Absolutely, and we'll save the international shout-out for Thursday when Brock yes. is back yes. and let him do that. Yes, so that's uh, – that's in, yeah, thanks to all, all the listeners, domestic, international. We love you all and hope you enjoyed this 10 millionth download edition of At the Rich Eisen Podcast. Peace out. And for all of us here at the Medill School of Journalism, 
Thanks for joining us. I'm Richard Eisen. Stay listening, dear friends.